Hello, one to go show fans. Thanks again for hopping over and listening to our podcast. Just a reminder, we have some exclusive content being posted weekly for the first six weeks of 2021 only on our YouTube channel. So if you want to jump over there to catch those interviews, it's the one to go show on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button so you'll see those new exclusive videos each week. All right, race fans, Ryan Ahol here bringing you, I had to take a look, uh, my memory's escaping me, but it's episode 63, folks, of the One to Go show. I'm Ryan Ahol, that is the one and only Bert Lehman. Bert, how you doing, man? I'm doing really good, yourself? I I'm doing good. I tell you what, before we get into racing, let's just go ahead, let's, let's just get <laughs> this out of the way, all right? As you can see, I, I, I bleed purple not going really good for me this year and uh your Packers going to the NFC championship game. <sighs> How are you feeling? Are they going to win that deal? Are they going to, they going to well, I mean, knock off the I, immortal Tom Brady. I mean, in the last several years, the Packers have gone to three NFC championship games and lost all three. Um, I mean, they should have beat Seattle that, that, that game still, stings um but, but they uh, shouldn't have beat the cowboys i'm just saying that was a catch <laughs> that was a catch <laughs> but um you know the last two championship games that they played in um i wasn't real confident because their defense was didn't play good all year and it was strictly offense but um of any of the championship games i'm more I'm, i mean i'm not predicting <laughs> i'm not guaranteeing a win but I'm more confident than than the previous teams that the Packers have sent to the championship games. So uh, you know, I mean, they did play them right earlier this year and kind of give them. They a did bit of a they, beat down. They did, um, but uh, there's a couple of. I mean, what people forget is, I mean, Green Bay was marching up and down the field against Tampa that first game. They were up ten nothing after the first quarter. And then Rodgers threw an uncharacteristic uh, interception, and it seemed like you know, that just threw the whole team off and it, it was just downhill from there in that game. Um, and it's funny cause I was actually looking at the box score today from that game and stat wise, the two teams weren't that far off. Uh, if you look at the stats, but yeah, the score was just, the score got out of hand. It's gonna and you got to remember, you got to remember also, uh, the last time, uh, the saints beat the Tampa Bay, that was a beat down and, look what happened to the saints yesterday so <laughs> yeah turnovers 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 so yeah it'll be it'll be an interesting game i, I know we got a lot of wisconsin folks watching I, i'm a vikings fan so hey your, your packers are in the nfc championship <laughs> can't take anything away and they're going to lambo which is a very difficult place to play um one more thing on football and I, I, I got to be honest, I got a little choked up yesterday, you know, because I raced, I put my whole life into racing and then I step away from it and it kind of, you got that little emotional deal, right? It's like I put my whole life into it and uh, man, what, what, what did you feel when you saw Drew Brees walk off the field for the last time and he turned and he gave one last look? I mean, what, what went through your mind when you saw, did you see that? Uh, actually, I, I didn't see that. I turned it off before then, um, but I did see a, a photo of it on ESPN.com. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, as with anything, you know, when, when you do something for that long, 
And, you know, unfortunately, it doesn't matter how great you were at one time, as you old, you know, there comes a day when you have to walk away. And, you know, as I was watching that game yesterday, you know, I don't watch the Saints every week or, you know, that religious, well, not religiously at all. Uh, but they, they kept making the comment that, you know, Breeze hasn't thrown a pass for more than 25 yards or whatever down the field. And I didn't realize that. I mean, because when you think of Drew Brees, you think of him gunning the ball down the field. And so, I mean, if, 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 you know, but then again, he broke how many ribs earlier this year? 11? Yeah, like 11 or some <laughs> crazy thing like that. So, yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure he's still feeling the effects of that too. Um, yeah, it, it so. was quite surreal. You could see the emotion. Like he knew, I mean, this ain't a Brett Favre retirement. That's not like, well, I retired. I'm yeah. so <laughs> you can tell. This is a done deal. He's done a lot for the sport. And, you know, if you like racing, if you like sports, they all kind of parallel each other in some way, shape, or form. And it, for me, it was quite surreal. You could see the raw emotion in his face. And, you know, that makes Did me think about several racers, you know, that, you know, when, when they knew it was coming to the end and when they were ready to retire, like you could tell that, like, you know, and a lot of them have come back, right? You know, because they, they just don't know what to do after that. And, you know, he's obviously going to be a commentator, you know, and, and I kind of took on that role. I, that's kind of fun for me, but uh, it doesn't quite fill the void. It really doesn't. I mean, when you go in racing, right, you know, when you're racing at a high level, if you're racing three, four nights a week, or even if you're racing one or two nights a week, pretty much every night's in the shop. You know, you're working on stuff. You're trying to get faster. You're trying to learn. You're preparing for the upcoming race. And, you know, you spend a lot of time getting ready and everything's racing, racing, racing. And when that quits, when that gets done, it's like, man, you know, like I'm kind of bored. Like, what am I doing? You know, you, you kind of lose your sense of direction. You lose purpose. I mean, and uh, so it's good that he's jumping into that commentator role, but I don't know if that's going to quite fill the void for him. It, it's, it's helped me, but, it, you know, there's still that there's always that little bit of an itch. But if I can't race three, four nights a week, I, I'm just not interested. My, that's just me. You know, I'm not going to go out there and, you know, just kind of tool around for no apparent reason. I'll, uh, that, that's just not fun. So, and I think that's where Breeze is. Breeze realized he's kind of lost a step a little bit. Health has been one of them. And when it's time, it's time. But Bert, yeah. well, Bert, go ahead. And, well, I can tie this into racing if people are wondering, why are you talking football? <laughs> uh, I'll tie this into racing. Uh, there's actually a racer in Eastern Wisconsin, Eric, Eric Malik, who uh, played college ball against Drew Brees because uh, Malik played for the Wisconsin Badgers and uh, Brees played for Purdue, obviously. So uh, uh, they played against each other. Uh, he Malik actually shares on Facebook several times uh, a picture of Drew Brees going back to pass with him jumping up, trying to block a pass. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> that that is cool. That is cool. You know, and, and and it's competition, right? I don't care if it's if it's racing, football, hockey. I don't care what it is. People are competing, you know. And you put a lot into that to compete. I wish I wish racing paid like the football players got paid. It, it doesn't quite pay that good, but but the fact is, you know, that's just part of it. But you know, <clears throat> the racing season is now in full force. I mean, it's it's wide open, and uh, the world of outlaws this week, Bert. The world of outlaw late models. They open up their season down at the Volusia, I guess Raceway Park. I think is what it's called, or Speedway Park. It's down in Volusia, 
Uh, everybody knows where Volusia is. But uh, they had some racing down there, finally got under underneath the, I guess, got things going. Bert, uh, I'll let you start there. You know, I, I know you watched a little bit of that. What'd you get out of, what'd you take away? You know, give us a little bit of a recap there from down in Volusia. Well, uh, the first race of the season starts with a little bit of controversy. I mean, what more can you ask for there? Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily controversy. I mean, Lanigan took, uh, I mean, he took the blame. I mean, he admitted it was his fault. Uh, but basically, uh, he tried to do a slider on Cade Dillard uh, in the fe- the first feature of the year. And, um, I mean, if you watch, watching it, you know, he did the slider. He had plenty of room ahead of him, but he just kept drifting and drifting and drifting up higher. And I believe Lanigan's comments were that he didn't, he didn't realize that it, it, I don't know if it rubbered down and it pulled his car up further than what he thought it was going to. And Dillard had a run on the outside and they, they both made contact. Yeah. You know, and the crazy thing is Bronson was dominant in that whole race and he kind of jumped the cushion. He had a lap or two there. It's like, what the hell happened? I mean, he, he was bolted and then he's all over the racetrack and then he was bolted again. And he took advantage of that deal because when that all happened and, you know, you can jump on dirt vision or whatever and see that, but he chucked the slider, he hit the brakes and they, at first glance to me, Bert, when I saw that the first time, I thought he just went up and spun out. I didn't even realize it didn't even look like there was contact to me. I was watching it on my phone. Maybe that's why, but he kind of got spun around. Well, then after the yellow, because Lanigan brought out the yellow, then of course, then all of a sudden we saw Dillard's car and the left nose piece was gone and mm-hmm. he kind of tore up the side of the car. I'm like, uh-oh. And when you're on a big track like Volusia, there's a lot of aero. You need a, you need a lot of aerodynamics there. You've got to have that air pushing down the nose, keeping the car turning. And that little bit um, ended up being a lot. It was enough to relegate him back to second. So Bronson won that deal. Dillard still with a great run, MB Customs, you know, up in second place on the podium in the high side tickler, Kyle Strickler rounding off the podium there, you know, a little bit with Bronson, you know, there's a guy right there. He always seems to run good down there at Speed Weeks in Florida. That's kind of his stomping yeah. ground. Well, uh, yeah, it's his, it's his home state. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the question I have for you is, can this be the year where maybe Bronson can take you know, the speed and the success he has around Florida and like spread that out over the rest of the country. Because to me, as a fan watching him, he's really good there. He's in the hunt, but he goes everywhere else. And he's just kind of, he's there top 10, you know, but he's not really competing for wins. Can you transition that into more success away from home this year? Do you think? Well, I mean, I mean, as any driver gets more experience, you would hope that, uh, you know, they can, uh, that experience will translate into more success at other venues that you're not as familiar with. I think he would have a better opportunity to uh, do that if he was in the out with the world of outlaws, just because of the comp, the, 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 the competition from top to bottom. And we've had this discussion in the past. I feel that the competition from top to bottom in the Lucas oil series is, is better than what it is in the world of outlaws series. And, um, and even, and I'm looking for them to maybe not even on the Lucas or World of Oklahoma, some of these bigger shows, right? You, you get to some of these crown jewels and you just never see his name. So right. I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm putting you on the spot here. <laughs> okay. 
is he going to transition some of that success? Is he going to be somebody that we see on the podium at at least one of those big races this year? I'm going to say no. <laughs> All right. You heard it here first. Bert calling out Kyle Bronson. So Bronson, killer. Bert Lehman says you can't get it done. All right. I didn't and, say uh, he can't get it done. I said he won't <laughs> get it done. <laughs> I, you know, I tend to agree. I really do. And, and until proven otherwise, you know, the, the track records kind of laid itself out. He, he really hasn't shown me signs of being a podium guy away from home. So hopefully he does. You know, it'd be nice to have another guy that's in the hunt all the time. Um, I guess uh, time is going to tell soon enough. A little bit more on that first night. Ricky Weiss uh, brought out his new car, and originally it was the Weiss Haley, but now they call it the Sniper Chassis. Bert had his feelings on that. He's like, there's already a Sniper Chassis. There's a was an <laughs> IMCA stock car over there on your side of the yeah. side of Wisconsin. <laughs> but he went out there, and, and uh, it just was ugly. I mean, right away, he, he spun out in time trials. It's like, Ricky. You know, it, yeah, man, who, who spins out in time trials? I don't know what happened there or whatever. And uh, he wasn't very good in the heat. He wasn't very good in the B. He had to take a provisional. And there was a lot of attrition in the race. He kept his nose clean in the feature, which is good. And he, and he found, you know, got up into seventh place there, which pretty respectable finish after everything, the way the whole night started out. But lacking speed, Bird, that car just, it just didn't look fast. Um, well, that's what we, that's what we talked about all last year with him, though, was poor qualifying efforts. So he'd have to start deep in the field, and yeah, he would get his top tens, top fives, but he had to work his ass off to get them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're you're exactly right. There's no question. No, no, night two, right? Night two comes, and it night two rained out, but not before Ricky <laughs> Weiss had more problems. And I didn't see what happened. I don't know if he got in the fence or just jumped the cushion or whatever. But I saw some pictures, the whole right side of the car was tore up. I think he hit the concrete there in hot laps. And I don't know if it was slimy or, or what happened, but, you know, things went from, hey, seventh is a pretty respectable points night. That's that'll that's a decent night. But uh, that second night, he, he was tore up and then it rained out, which for him was a good thing because he was going to have to bring out the backup car, which he did on night number three. Um, he brought out the backup car, and, and just like normal, he didn't qualify all that great. He ended up starting 15th in the feature. He didn't get up to a fourth-place finish. But who won on night number three there, Bert? Uh, the high-side tickler, <laughs> Kyle Strickler. Mod, Mod guy. guy. Another mod <laughs> guy right there. I tell you, he, he's fun to watch. He was on it. Now, I tell you, it was a Ross Bales, I think, was all over yes. him for the better part of the race and, and looking good. He was he fell back to fifth. He ended up breaking. I think he hurt a motor. But uh, the guy that got second in that race, and I got to be honest, I was surprised. I, I didn't like I didn't think he had it in him. The voodoo child, Black Sunshine, Scott Bloomquist, Burt was all over him. I mean, he was on the bottom of one and two. And he was faster through one and two, and he would drive up and, and uh, didn't crowd him, gave him room, and then around the outside, Tickler would get it off of three and four. Great race there at the end. Scott Bloomquist with a second-place finish. Lanigan, you know, he had the bad luck the first night, but he had a first-place car. He had a podium car for sure on night number one. He rounds off the podium on night number two, Bert. He looked pretty darn racy in that rocket. Yeah, he looked good. And I mean, getting back to Bloomquist, uh, you know, it's, I mean, 
whether you like them or not, having Bloomquist running in the top three is good for the sport. I mean, you know, you, you don't want to see somebody of his caliber just, you know, being, a, you know, running in the back all the time. So it was good to see him running in the top three and, you know, challenging for the lead. I mean, he would actually yet, like you said, get, get alongside Strickler and even edge ahead of him in one and two. But yeah, he wouldn't do that slider. I, I don't think Bloomquist does sliders. Maybe he did no, when he was younger. Yeah, he's <laughs> a momentum guy, you know, and, and uh, he looked really good. He looked racy on them big tracks, especially where he carries that momentum. He's always been really good at Volusia, Eldora, stuff like that. So, you know, I'm going to ask you this. Well, I was, Go ahead. I was just going to say one thing. I mean, did you notice that... Uh, you know, he was able to pull up alongside Strickler even ahead a little bit. Did you notice Strickler then drop down low a few laps I, in yeah, one and two? I, and then he'd jump up to the high side a couple of laps later. And in the, the interview afterwards, Strickler said he was just trying to uh, knock Bloomquist's <clears throat> rhythm off a little bit. <laughs> well, he realized that he was faster on the top of three and four. See, Strickler's a, a phenomenal racer. You know, if you if you watch if you watch a lot of racing, right? There's certain guys, if they run the top, they run the top all the way around. There's certain guys, if they run the bottom, they're on the bottom. If they run the middle, they're in the middle. But the best, and, and I'm talking about in all classes, if you watch it, if you're a race fan, keep an eye on this. It'll make it fun for you to watch. The best people, they don't typically, they don't stick to one or the other. So high side Hickler, right? He's good on the high side, but he realized, wait a second here, the bottom of one and two is pretty darn good. So he went down and where Bloomquist was making up all his ground, he's like, I got to be down there. So he went to the bottom of one and two, top of three and four. And, and that's just the signs of a talented, mm-hmm. aware race car driver. And, and I'm, I'm excited, you know, because you've got Kyle Strickler and Ricky Thornton Jr. who are both kind of running for that Lucas of oil um, rookie of the year. That's going to be intriguing. That's going to be fun to watch between those two drivers. And uh, I, I think they're both going to win a lot of races this year. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, normally for the rookie of the year battles, you really, I mean, to be honest, most years it's you have one really good driver running for rookie of the year, and then you have a couple who say they'll run for rookie of the year, but they drop off the circuit by mid year or whatever. But yeah, with Strickler and Thornton Jr. as battling for the rookie of the year this year, that's going to be a fun battle to watch because, I mean, not only are they going to battle for rookie of the year, but I mean, they can win races from the get go. Oh, they've yeah. already proven that. I mean, we'll get uh, uh, Thornton Jr. later in the show with what he did in Arizona. So, I mean, um, I think we got to – we have to make our picks for Rookie of the Year. <laughs> Let, let's do it. Go ahead. I'm, I'll this, this must be tough for you because they're both mod guys. <laughs> it is. It is. But I, I, I tell you what, I'm going to go – I'm going to go with Ricky Thornton Jr. to win the Rookie of the Year in the Lucas Oil Late Models. That that was going to be my pick, too. <laughs> yeah, so sorry. You're stuck with Strickler. <laughs> I'll take Strickler. That's fine. Um, I you, it's going to be a good battle. I think it's going to come down to just who's more consistent and stays out of trouble because they're both going to win races. They're both going to be in the front, but it's going to be a handful of DNFs or getting themselves in a bad situation that I think is the difference between winning the Rookie of the Year title and not winning the Rookie of the Year title. Did you notice that uh, was Strickler racing his own equipment at Volusia? Yeah, the I think he had the rocket there. Because yeah, because it it was last year's 
uh, graphic scheme where he's already had like three different graphic schemes for the new team that he's going to be racing for. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like he's got rockets and longhorns, right? So he's got two different deals, and he and he wasn't. I shouldn't say he had rocket. I, I guess I don't remember for sure if he had a rocket at Volusia or if he had the longhorn there. I can't remember. All, all I remember is he has both, and whatever he had there this past weekend, he needs to bring back there for the for the Winter Nationals because he was racing. Well, in the his post race interview, he made the comment that. He has the other car uh, up in his hauler, in his trailer, and now they need to decide which one they're going to race. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. So, but I tell you, he's a talented guy, right out of the box, bolted. A guy that didn't get off to the best start. Your defending champ, right? Your reigning champ, Brandon Shepard. Average. Was he even there? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they didn't talk about him very much. He was just. I mean, he. I think he was inside the top 10 both nights, but he just wasn't very good. I'm not going to put too much thought into well, that no. quite yet. You know, <laughs> he's going to be there, but uh, it was quite interesting. Now, another takeaway I had there was, uh, you know, Shane Clanton, a guy that was going to run for the World of Outlaw points, not able to make the call because of COVID in the hospital with pneumonia from COVID. So hopefully he gets over that soon. Best wishes, of course, from us to uh, Shane Clanton because – you know, that, that's a tough break. Missing missing two nights. I don't know. I think they have a couple throwaways in there, Bert. I think they I'm, not, added, I'm not sure how their rules are. I think uh, I mean, they if, added if they, that this year. If I they think don't they have did. throwaways, I mean, he has no chance of. Yeah. So hopefully they have a couple throwaway shows in there. I think they do. I'm not positive <clears throat> because if they don't, his season's over for World of Olas. He might end up running Lucas, but I think they have a couple throwaways. Hopefully he gets recovered, get back you know, gets back right. behind the wheel here soon. I mean, that that's the most important thing is that he, you know, fully recovers uh, from the COVID and the pneumonia. Um, but one other thing I want to point out uh, regarding the outlaw races there, and uh, I should have wrote the, the guy's name down, but number 54, he was running uh, in the Brazil? top a lot. Yes, Brazil. Uh, yeah. uh, the announcers at the Wild West shootout were actually talking about him that, he wants to run the entire outlaw tour, but he only has one engine. <laughs> that I, I heard the rumor that might make it tough, right? That might make it a little difficult. But he was racy. All the yep. you know, all, in in uh, you know, there was a few people there. Parker Martin, I, I guess he announced that he's going to follow now. Um, the rookie of the okay. year deal for the World of Outlaws, sixteen years old. He won a loaded heat race, and he looked good. And you know, he's a masher. He was. Inside the top five most of the night, he fell back. I think he finished inside the top ten. It'll be interesting to see what he does when the track slicks off because the track was pretty hammered down, right? And that's why, in my opinion, I think that's part of the reason why Bronson was fast because he's good when it's hammered down. Um, so we'll see what happens when the tracks start to slick off. The weather gets a little warmer. But uh, just another guy, the rookie years, rookie of the year deal in the world, Walt Law is going to be pretty interesting too. Um, one last thing on Volusia away from the world of outlaw was a 604 crates um us northern guys you know we had jeff provenzino running down there for the hunt uh, hunt the front crew um uh, the joiner whatever his the dad is he, he's running a car for him struggled uh hard finding some speed with that thing i don't think he made the show either night he was just car looked tight wasn't rotating quite like he wanted 
not you got to carry a lot of momentum and a lot of speed with them crates there, Bert, because um, you don't have the power to drive out of a push. So I think uh, he's going back down. He's going to run East Bay. It'll be fun to see if he can make some adjustments and run better at East Bay than he did at Volusia. But uh, the guy that remember just just a week ago, um, we talked about Michael Page, right? He won his fifth straight um, ice bowl at Talladega. He was the hero. There wasn't no other racing going on. And he left this race here, Bert, as a zero. Did you see did you see all that happen there? Uh, I didn't see it all happen. Just what you what you had told me uh, that uh, after some extensive teching, he was found to have illegal valve spring heights. And I mean, for a crate engine, to me, this isn't something that oops, I didn't realize that. I mean, this is I mean, you may not have known about it but somebody knew that that was illegal. <laughs> and, and quite frankly, and I, from what I heard, it was thousands, you know, it wasn't, but every little bit makes a difference. And I'm not an engine guy. I'll be the first to admit, I don't know squat about engines, but when you're on a big half mile and you've got an engine that's really limited on power, the percentage difference is so, so huge that if you can gain a little here and a little there, you're going to be the class of the field. And, so he went from earning a $10,000 payday to Kyle Bronson walked away the $10,000 winner in the 604 crates. So he got the win in that deal and, and Bert, the teching was incredible. And I don't want to mention any names or series or tracks or whatever, but a lot of times <laughs> when I raced, right, they're like, they're focused on with soda stickers being in the right spot, wheelbase, wheel, wheelbase, <laughs> wheel openings, the sticker being on your wheels, you know, spoiler sides and, and sail panels and all this crap that means absolutely nothing. Okay, wheelbase probably does, but the rest of that is just nonsense. Dude, they, they took apart, I believe it was the top 10 cars, and they even showed they had a tool there to check the, you know, they, they were actually checking the cam, right? Checking the duration and all that on the camshafts. I mean, they, they picked them apart. And they did avid teching down there. So in my eyes, you know, you're racing for 10 grand to win. Let's take your stuff apart and make sure that it's legal. So hats off to the folks down there at Volusia for saying, you know, and I don't know if that was Volusia or the series, because I think it was Cruza late model series, I think is what it was. I, uh, I was impressed. They actually checked things that mattered and the winner was found illegal. Was it a big deal? I don't know that. Uh, maybe an engine builder on here or somebody more familiar with that would have better insight than me. But uh, you went on a half mile, horsepower has a lot to do with it. I can tell you that much. So that's enough on Florida there. <clears throat> we'll be talking about what's upcoming down the road here in Florida. But uh, my buddy Keith would be really upset if we didn't talk about the uh, the buggies, right? So at the Chili Bowl, <laughs> they... Uh, I tell you, I, I enjoy the heck out of the Chili Bowl. I mean, that's some exciting racing, Bert. Um, Kyle Larson, back-to-back Chili Bowl uh, wins. You know, he started out his impressive 2020 uh, campaign, winning the Chili Bowl. He did it again in 2021. Christopher Belbert kind of looked like he might have been the guy to beat. He was all over him with just a handful of laps to go. He hooked a cushion, cartwheeled hard. He's okay which is good, but uh, that was really the only challenge Kyle Larson had. He led all 55 laps. What did you take away from what you saw or what you read about from the Chili Bowl? Uh, well, 
Um, I mean, I've watched probably the last four. Usually I just watch the features, but probably the last four years I've watched it. And it seemed like the cushion was larger this year than any of the previous years that I watched. And um, I mean, and, you know, we've talked on this show before about you live by the cushion, you die by the cushion. And and, uh, I mean, Christopher, like you said, Christopher Bell, I mean, he was he was it would have been fun the last couple of laps to see if he could have gotten by Larson. But yeah, I mean, he, he hooked that cushion and it sent him for a wild ride. I mean, I was hoping he'd be all right. And he was okay. He walked out and, uh, but, uh, um, actually before the race, uh, they interviewed Christopher Bell and he made the comment that, uh, this is the, this was the most water that they put on the track that he can remember since he's been racing there. So uh, I think that uh, definitely contributed to, uh, to the cushion. <laughs> well, last year's feature Bert was 55 laps of one lane on the bottom. And I'll take uh, 10 out of 10 times. I'll take one lane on the top over one lane on the bottom, 10 out of 10 times. I mean, there's no, because if it's one lane on the bottom, you're just go-karting around the bottom and it's just stupid. It's not even entertaining, at least on the top. They're banging the cushion. They can chuck sliders. They can do different things. And, and the water, water, right? Water does wonders for racetracks. I heard the rumor. does really good. Um, and, you know, let's talk about before the race, okay? Because I'm going to jump right down here, you know, to, to some of my takeaways. So the whole week, the race was, it was aired on Flow Race, right? And then for the C's, the B's, and the A, they transitioned over. And I think, I think was it live? It was live, right, on MAV TV? Yes. Yeah. So I was so disappointed and pissed off. I wanted to, I was just ready to lose my mind. Because I watched <laughs> it on our Facebook page. You know, they got they got the commentators, you know, and they're talking back and forth. They got driver introductions going on over here, right? And their commentators are even saying, oh, man, you know, they're still doing driver's intros. They're unique, great driver's intros they're doing. The crowd's really enjoying it. I'm like, I'm going to drive down there and stab you. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> quit, just shut up and focus on that. I want to see that, right? All the people watching it. I saw so many things on Facebook. It's like, tell these idiots to shut up. We want to watch the driver's intros. I don't know what the hell they were thinking. That's whoever the production people are for TV should be fired after that deal because that was ridiculous. I mean, that, that was the most idiotic thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm still mad about it. That's the way they've done it all the years that they've televised it live. They don't yeah. show, show the driver. And see, I think part of that is where that NASCAR mentality comes from. They feel like they have to, that, you know, the announcers are part of the show and whatnot. And they're not. I mean, show show the TV audience what what it's like to actually be there. I'm going to give you two examples, okay? And number one, this one's been going on a little bit longer. Personally, I could go to the USA. I talked about this last week. Yeah, I could go to the USA Nationals. I could simply watch the driver's introductions, and I could leave, and I'd be perfectly content, right? Because it is exciting. Gateway Dirt Nationals. The driver's introductions at the Gateway Dirt Nationals, that's half the show. This is imagine watching WWE wrestling, right? And, and imagine that they they like cut the whole part of it with the entrance for the for the wrestlers coming down. Just cut that completely out of it 
and they just and they just cut and they have them talking and they show wrestling in the in the ring. People be like, "What the hell is this?" Because for me, if, if and I don't watch, I guess I don't watch much of it anymore. But I did for a long time. WWE wrestling, the entrance music, and you know, you think about the Undertaker and you know Triple H and and the way that they entered, right? The crowd got jacked and people on TV. That's part of the program. The same thing with the drivers' intros for the Chili Bowl. I didn't get to see it, but from what I understand, there was some pretty entertaining stuff that happened. As a viewer, that is important. We they had, I mean, God, it took what take hour and a half between the B main and the A. I mean, it was they dicked around forever. We could have listened to them guys talk and nothing against them, whatever. They can talk, that's fun too, but they, they got to show that. So somebody's got to talk to Mav TV or whoever's in charge and just say, look, this, this, like nobody wants to watch these two people talk back and forth. Sorry. Okay. If there's something more exciting going on, show that. And then we can go back to these guys after that. And that was, to me, it was extremely disappointing. I didn't realize that's how they've been doing it for a long time. And if they've been doing it that way for a long time, that's a fail on their part. They just don't, under, I just, they just don't understand the entertainment value of the sport. I, I don't get it. Well, they don't. They don't understand what race fans want to see. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, yeah. That's more corporate nonsense, right there. You're exactly right. Now, now enough of that. The flip count. Okay. The record. The record for the flip count 2019 was 75. And this is kind of a fun stat. If you watch a chili bowl, let, let's be honest. I mean, we don't want to see people get hurt. For sure, we don't want to see that. But I don't care who you are. If you say that, oh, I don't like seeing them things roll, you're lying. Okay, you're lying because we like that's exciting. People watch the Chili Bowl for the rollovers, and they had 69 of them. 69, 25 of the 69 birds came on Saturday, so that was they were uh, pretty good most of the way through single digits a few of the nights and uh, 69 flips. Now, Bert, a couple things that I saw there. Did you see Nick Hoffman? Okay. Now, again, mod guy, mod guy, right? And, and he, he's going to be a guy to beat down at Volusia for speed weeks in that modified. He's got a little chip on his shoulder. He lost a couple drivers over to that Longhorn deal. But he, he builds an elite chassis. And uh, it, was his, he, it was his first ever time at the Chili Bowl. Did you see that, Bert? Uh, I just saw a picture. Um, I'm going to let you explain it because you know the mechanics of it better than I do. So <laughs> this was crazy. So in the B main, I don't remember what night it was. In, in the in the B main, his throttle linkage broke. Well, in those cars, you can reach down. You can actually reach the throttle linkage. Okay, but the throttle and it's a quarter inch bolt, and it's got there's a there's a rod, quarter inch Heinz on it. Something broke there in the throttle linkage. Well, I don't know how many laps were left, but I'm going to say this is he had the steering wheel in one hand and he was running the throttle with his hand on the other one. So the gas pedal was gone. He was, it was operating the throttle and he still ended up fifth place in the B main. Who in the right mind would do that? Normally you'd be like, yeah, I'm out. Yeah, I'll just pull off, live to play another day. And he's like, nope, we'll just do this deal here. Absolutely insane. Um, so Kind of, kind of a neat little thing that I saw that, and I'm like, good grief, man! You got, I mean, it's it's hard to wheel them things as it is. You're banging the cushion and sliding around, and well, you're, you're doing it one handed. And uh, and on that track, I mean, you're. It seems like you're constantly turning. So yeah, yeah, it's a bull <laughs> you know, it's not it's not like a half mile where you can just you know just get like you're on a on a Sunday drive. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now another thing here, 
So, so the alphabet soup, and I really like that. I really, I don't like when a track. If you have a lot of cars, I've seen a lot of places they've kind of gone to four B names, right? And I get why they do it. You know, if you have 18 classes of cars, you kind of can't do the alphabet soup, right? But if you have one or two classes, you can. Well, at the Chili Bowl, they have the alphabet soup, right? And what they do is they have, you know, X amount of cars in the B, C, D, E, you know, and so on. And J-Mac, Jason McDougall, Bert, this was impressive. He went on the I main, the I, and he won the I. He transferred into the H. He went from the H and transferred into the G. He transferred from the G into the F. He transferred from the F into the E, right? So people are like, man, this guy's coming. Is he going to make the show? It's like the big story of the whole first half of the day on Saturday. He gets to the D main. He's in the final transfer spot. Last lap, he gets dumped. And uh, they got the no-fault caution rule. Night's over. But he was going to make it into the C main from that point. But he ended up getting spun out. But that was that was kind of the whole excitement, I guess, if, if you could say that over the first half of the show was kind of following to see if he was going to transition up there. That, that was a pretty cool deal. And I mean, what makes that impressive, uh, you know, for those that are unfamiliar with how the alphabet soup works. Um, I mean, if you transfer from one, you don't, you know, start in the front of the next one, you have to start in the back. So, right. <laughs> so to keep transferring from race to race, you have to race from the back to the front. Uh, and that's why it's so impressive. Yeah, and, and the last time, and I don't, it wasn't all the way back to an I, but Jimmy Owens was down at uh, at Volusia, and they used to do an alphabet soup deal in the modified deal, and I don't remember if it was a D, I think it was a D to the C to, or no, it was a C to the B, from the B to the A, and he was up leading and broke, and uh, so, I mean, he kind of, I don't, I don't know if it was a D main or not, but they had the alphabet deal there, and it just makes it more exciting you know, I, I've seen tracks do that. It's kind of a cool deal, but that was fun to watch. And now if you're a sprint car fan, everybody's heard of slamming Sammy Swindell. And uh, on Thursday night, Bert, this was great. So Daniel Robinson said, Sammy Swindell is like one of my heroes. You know, he just loved the guy. On the last lap of the qualifying A, he moved him. Robinson just moved him out of the way. Punted him, got by him, and then he did one of these deals. And flipped him the bird as he was as he was driving away, and people are like, well, like you know, what did Sammy do to him? Was he mad at him? He goes, no, I just did it just cause, uh, you know, like he wasn't even mad at him. He's just like, he goes, how often do you get get to pass Sammy Swindell? I guess the crowd went nuts. They were all cheering because Sammy's kind of, he's one of them polarizing guys, right? Where back when he was wide open and he was winning races. Half the people loved him. Half the people hated him. He was, he's kind of had that personality where he wasn't always the most personable guy at the racetrack, right? Very serious. So there was a lot of people there that, that got a pretty good rise out of that deal. Just more entertainment value. So I thought that was pretty cool. So Bert. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I, I mean, you're speaking about how uh, Sam can be polarizing. Uh, he was involved in an incident uh, Saturday in one of the races and, the announcers made a comment, uh, have fun trying to get an interview from him or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, ne he's nobody's going to accuse him of being the most personable guy at the racetrack. That's just not going to happen. One of the best to ever strap into a sprint car, I can tell you that much. I mean, the guy's one. Right, exactly. Races, but, uh, yeah, not – now, Bloomquist has never been, you know, I would say the super outgoing. 
but I think he cut. Do you think he maybe gained a few fans when he did that uh, that raffle deal and then the way he interacted with that kid? And I, I mean, people saw kind of a different side of Scott Bloomquist, so maybe Sammy's got some hope. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I think Bloomquist probably um, gained some fans. But one thing about Bloomquist is. I don't know if he's necessarily polarizing because of his um, demeanor. Uh, He's kind of polarizing just because he's very confident. And when he (laughs) does win, he lets people know that he won and why he won. (laughs) And and he looks like the undertaker. I mean, he's got that look to him. It's like the voodoo child. I mean, he's got that look. So, but the chili bowl under wraps, it was, it was entertaining for the most part. The racing was, I thought the racing was pretty darn good. Uh, I, I just love watching them slide job after slide job and dicing and slicing. I mean, they're, they're pretty fun to watch, and I'll tune into that next year. Hopefully, Mav gets the crap together and lets us see the driver's intros. Race fans, if you're listening to that and you agree, just blow up Mav's email and Facebook and do whatever you got to do and let them know that, hey, next year we want to see the driver's intros. And maybe if enough pe- if they get enough feedback on that, maybe we can see that next year. I think that'd be kind of cool. Well, it, it'll be interesting to see how the Chili Bowl is televised next year. Now with this Mav app, Mav TV app and stuff. So who knows if it'll even be on Mav TV. Or if there will be a Mav TV. Well, that's yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say. I guess time will tell. Now let's 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 head west. Um, that, that's still, uh, over the whole weekend, my favorite, my favorite show was the wild west shootout over at the Arizona speedway. And, uh, they actually raced Wednesday night and then they raced Friday, Saturday and Sunday as well. And on Wednesday, a little bit of drama there. We talked about drama over in, in Volusia, a little bit of drama on Wednesday night, actually in a couple of different classes. So Jonathan Davenport, he got his second win and, uh, he looked good. I mean, he was, he, he was tough. I mean, he was really, really good on, on Wednesday night, but uh, squirrel and RTJ um, and, and fans, you're going to have to make a call on this one. Bert, I watched this probably 20 times and I Same couldn't here. <laughs> point like it was definitely his fault. You know, obviously all the RTJ fans were like squirrels an idiot and all the squirrel fans are like RTJ, you know, drove into them and this and that and the other. Well, what happened is RTJ came in the corner and, and, Brian Shirley slid him. It was an aggressive mode. He slid him and he slid him too hard. It looked to me like, bam, he kind of got up in the fence. He hit the brakes. And then as soon as he like cleared him, Thornton hammers the gas and it was rubber and his car went straight. It didn't rotate and drove up on him and they wrecked and Ricky, uh, Ricky broke. He DNF'd. And I think a little bit later on, I think it was related to that, but uh, Brian Shirley also DNF'd. I, I think it was related to that. But uh, they had a, you know, a little bit, of, a little bit of controversy there. But I, I think at the end of the day, it's a racing deal. You know, I mean, Bert, you weigh in. I mean, you saw it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know like how to I, put it other than a racing like deal. Like I, I told you the next day, uh, it was a racing incident, and I would explain why on the show. Uh, but <laughs> there, yeah, there I, I think it was there just a racing deal. Um, I mean, you can argue that, uh, you know maybe Shirley shouldn't have been throwing sliders like that that early in the race. Cause I do believe it was fairly early in the race when, when it happened, but, but yeah, I mean, it looked like Shirley did the slider and then the car pushed up all the way up to the wall. I mean, you could see that he, he was on the brakes. He locked, it looked like he locked up the, 
the tires uh, because the car slid more than what he thought it was. And yeah, if you watch the video, there's a point in the video where Thornton's car just takes off. And, you know, he's sliding and all of a sudden it just lunges forward. And I don't think he was expecting Squirrel to be right in front of him. And it, I mean, you can see that Ricky locked up his brakes and also trying to avoid it, but it was too late at that point. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I agree. Overall, I think it was just a racing incident. And that happens when you're racing hard up front. I mean, it's not like somebody, it wasn't a Bobby Pierce slider where he came up and just bashed in the side of him. I mean, it was a, <laughs> like, yeah, I think I mean, right on, yeah, it was a racing deal. I mean, he definitely cleared him. I mean, right. there was no doubt about that. It's just, um, he had to almost come to a complete stop to uh uh once he completed the slider and that's where that's where the <laughs> drama took place exactly and that's just part of it right there that's going to happen with slide jobs and that's what makes it exciting now the modifies had a little bit of excitement too now dustin strand was bolted he he put on a show and he gets to tech disqualified and he was the reigning um I guess Wild West shootout modified champion, and he would have been solidly in the point lead after that night. And and Bert, what he got disqualified for is he had a right front brake shut off. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with all that or not, mm -hmm. but and I don't know if he had an electronic one or if he just had a valve, but whatever. So you got your master cylinders, brake fluid goes down to the four calipers, you know, and and there's a you can shut it off so that you're not putting any pressure on the right front brake. So that way, when you hit the brake, the car will turn because the left front pulls it to the infield, okay? Now, in Wissota, that's perfectly legal. Most cars have that or come with it, or at least they did. Um, and, and it's really, a, it's a good tool. You know, you can have your car a little tighter. You can hold the brake and you can kind of hold the car to keep it rotating. Or if you get on a heavy track and the car is not turning, you can use some brake to get the car to pull down. So it's a nice tool to have. In all my years of racing, I, I had one in the car, but I probably used it less than 10 times. I talked to Dustin on that, and he said it was in the car. He goes, I, I have it. He goes, but the track was dry. It actually took a little rubber coming off, but it was pretty slippery getting in. He goes, I, I never used it. I didn't need it. He goes, but it was in there. He goes, so they disqualified him. And, you know, it's one of those deals where, I looked in the rules. It said USRA rules. It said that in there and specifically in the USRA rules, it says no right front brake shop, you know, must have. So, I mean, it's a rule. It's a rule is a rule, but man, there's a lot of Wasota cars that went down there that had a right front shut off in. So I don't know if somebody maybe turned them in because it's not something that normally somebody would be looking for. They're not typically looking in your cockpit going, Hmm, do they got a right front shut off? I don't know if somebody turned them in or what happened, but it was a rough break for, for Strand. I mean, it wasn't like he won and was cheating. It wasn't like that. So if, if people are wondering that, you know, well, he, he had an unfair advantage, definitely not the case. Um, it was just, it was a simple oversight and they allowed him to come back, of course, for the Friday show, but that basically ended any chance he had at winning the points again. So kind of a tough deal there for Strand. Well, then, I, have a, I have a question for you then. Sure. Okay. So he had that shut off in his car, but then he was allowed to race later. I mean, do you take the, how do you take the shut off, shut off out? Or do you just disable it and the officials you know it's. You bypass okay. it. Yeah. Okay. Because there's a, there's an inlet and an outlet for the brake line. Right. So then all you got to do is splice the brake lines together to okay. bypass the shut off. 
So, so that's what he had to do there. And, you know, tough break. I mean, he was pretty bummed out, you know, I mean, obviously. So, I mean, that would have been his second win of the weekend and he was looking really good down there. And then uh, in the X-Mons, one of his customers, I believe in a millennium chassis, I think, I, I shouldn't say that because I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure um, Preston Carr and Bert, this is a guy, I wasn't familiar with him at all. Like, I, I guess I didn't pay attention to the B-Mods over in North Dakota very much, right? And uh, boy, he looked really good over the whole series. He won on Wednesday night. Now let's get to Friday. And, and Wednesday night, Bert, if you remember, the track was, dry and crumbly it took rubber it wasn't it wasn't overly racy it just wasn't very good um but friday night oh my god that late model feature was amazing i mean they they watered the track so this stuff here okay this is this is water <laughs> okay so if you're a track prep person bert's got it there too you can you can do multiple things with it right you can drink it Okay, you can do that. You can consume it. Okay, but also, <laughs> I I heard, I, no, I I've been to a lot of races that if you take the track and you kind of loosen up the gravel and the, the clay and the dirt and all the all the material, and then you apply this, I guess H two O water type substance on it, it actually like makes it stickier, gives it traction. Kind of a cool deal. Um. Not, not all tracks do that, um, but and, and they didn't do that every night at the Wild West. But, Bert, when they did, holy shit, was the racing good. That might have been one of the better races that I've seen in a late model in a long time. And, and we saw some good ones at Fairbury, who, incidentally, they watered the track, right? And, uh, I mean, you're talking RTJ, who podium finished every night except for one, him and Turbo chucking sliders and throwing elbows. That was fun. What what was your thoughts of that late model race, Bert? Well, my initial thought after watching it was uh, Turbo has no fear. I mean, he is not <laughs> he is not afraid to put that car. I mean, if the car is eight feet wide and there's a seven foot space, he's going to put it in there. I mean, he's going to make it work. I mean, there's one point in the race coming off a of two. I can't remember who was in front of him, but he split the he threaded the needle and went between the two of them down the back stretch to get in front of both of them. Um, and yeah, he, he just has no fear. I mean, <laughs> but he puts I a, mean, he put traction on the track. He is fun to watch. I mean, yes. You get, yes. Yeah. I, like, I agree. Yeah. He's like Bobby Pierce. In fact, I think I honestly watching them too. I think he's better than Bobby. Um, I, I think he's a little better than Bobby. And, but I'm here to tell you that no, first of all, nobody wants to watch that dry slick, boring no i mean that's just dumb nobody wants to watch that we all want to watch everybody race, right and i'm talking i got friends of mine that are racers that are like oh man i love it smooth and dry and i, I they, they do they love it they're they're good on that stuff everybody was talking about the late model feature on friday so what does that tell you right if you're a race if you're a track promoter right and you're like well the drivers want it dry I want you to just pay close attention to what happened on Friday night and the excitement and, and all people talking about it. You want that. That's what you want. You want people talking about how amazing the racing is at your facility and you don't get that on dry, slick tracks. You just don't. And you get that when there's got to be some traction, slide jobs, moving around. I mean, there's, I mean it was insane. And uh, yeah, I tell you, Turbo got, he got the win there and 
you know, but I think the driver of the night, I'm going to give the driver of the night that night to the water truck guy. He congratulations. We should send him an award is what we should do. But on that, they talked about it. They were raving. I looked on Facebook, Bert. It was crazy. The people, I mean, they talked about it all night and all the next day about how amazing that late model feature was. And, and if you're a track promoter, guys, that and gals, that is so important. Water the track. We want to be entertained. It's not that difficult. Get some moisture in it. Let's let's make it happen. And uh, when they did that, I tell you, it was good stuff. And in the modifieds, a guy that's really good on that. We watched him a little bit this year, this past year at the Casino Speedway in Watertown, South Dakota, which is another awesome little bull ring. The one TPO of Tyler Peterson, he was he was throwing it up on the high side. He looked good, and uh, he had a heck of a race there. Got the lead late. The guy that he passed actually, I think, he ended up spinning out after that. But uh, Tyler Peterson charged. I mean, he looked really good Friday night. And uh, the X Mods, Bert, <laughs> it was like the Battle Royale. It reminded me of that race in Plymouth last year, the Dirt Kings race, <laughs> where it was just like shredding everybody. And uh, a guy by the name of Lance Schill, he's another North Dakota guy. He come down and he gained the victory. But he didn't gain any friends. <laughs> I can tell you that much, right? He gained zero friends. Zero. Because... There was a time in the middle of the back straightaway. And, and from what I understand, these guys don't even like each other. They race against each other. Jory Berg, who had a win up there, he dumped them, I mean, right in the middle of the back straightaway. And Berg, with good awareness, realized, hey, it's a no-fault rule here. I can't stop. See, at a Wasota track, when that happened, if Berg, Berg would have just stopped, boom, Berg gets his spot back, Shield goes to the back. Shield would never have won that race. Well, Berg realized that, hey, if I stop, I'm going to the back. He's getting a spot back anyway. So he did a 360 when he got spot out, kept going, lost some spots. Uh, he never regained a podium position, I don't believe, after that. But uh, Shill might have been – he was he was kind of driving a little bit like that Bobby Pierce, uh, you know, Tyler Herb chucking elbows and sliders and banging off people. And, you know, I guess a, a win is a win is a win, but uh, – you know, you got to race against these people at home and they might remember that. Okay. Cause there was another guy. I think he, I think he actually got into it with Preston Carr in that same race. So it'll be interesting when they get back home. Uh, racers <laughs> seem to have a good memory. Right. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the wrong end of something um, come this summer. So that, that's it then on Friday night. Now we still have two more. Hey, race fans, calling all hockey fans, calling all hockey fans. Why are we looking for hockey fans, you might ask? Because GOAT Sports Media has released its newest podcast, Tea with Miss McGill. It can be found on Apple, Spotify, and all the favorite places that you podcast. This podcast is going to concentrate on Minnesota high school hockey mainly, a little bit of touch of Division One and Division Three college hockey, and we'll touch on some major stories of the NHL. So T with Miss McGill, the latest podcast from Gold Sports Media. Go check it out. Four nights of racing to go. Saturday night, okay, they did the same thing they did Friday night. They farmed it heavily right before the features. Good job. Whoever's in charge, Ben Shelton, if you made that call, thumbs up because – the racing was not good during the heat races. In fact, Jonathan Davenport, I don't know if you saw him after the heat race. He said the track sucked or I don't know exactly. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. He basically said, yeah, he ba 
basically, I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember exact words, but he said the track is really shitty and the fans deserve better. I mean, the track was it was pretty dry and marbly in the heat races, but uh, he gave one away there in the future. Um, he really should have won that, but he he kind of bobbled there and lacked traffic and, and turbo got by him and turbo's kind of track again, banging the cushion and hustling and turbo back to back wins, um, sneaking one out over JD. And uh, that put both of them in position to possibly be, you know, get a third win in that Kaiser bonus. And that completely took away any chance of JD getting a $25,000 bonus. So a pretty entertaining race there. Um, what did you, you know, Talk about Saturday. I'll touch just on the on the results for the other two classes. But uh, what did you see on Saturday? Well, like you said, um, you know, JD probably gave that race away. I mean, you don't you don't see that too often. And he admitted it in in the interview afterwards, and even uh, uh, in the in the interview uh, after uh, Sunday night. I won't go into too much. I'll save that for Sunday night's results. But. Uh, um, Davenport was very in his interviews he was very open about some things um at the Wild West shootout and um and some of it I'll, I'll get to uh when we talk about our takeaways from the entire week uh regarding uh, some of the things that he said in his interviews yeah you, you're exactly right we'll get to that quickly on Saturday night in the Mons um Rodney Sanders he picked up another win the the one TPO Tyler Peterson he got second Dustin Strand got third. So a couple of soda guys right up there in the top three in the X mods, Preston Carr got it done again. Now <clears throat> rolling into actually rolling into Saturday. Well, actually be before we get that far, um, I didn't watch uh, other than the late models. I didn't watch uh, Saturdays now entering Saturday. <laughs> uh, Sabraski was leading in points. Wasn't he? What happened? In both to in both. He was leading the mods and the X mods in it. In the in the mods, I think I think he just started deep in the X, in the X mods. He ended up I think he spun out in the B main. Started deep in both of them, and he just he didn't make the show in the X mod on on that uh, Saturday show. He started too deep. He just kind of got into trouble. I think he had some kind of a altercation. I don't exactly remember what happened, but needless to say, he didn't make it in. And in the mods, he kind of. I, I, think, I don't know if he DNF'd or what in the mods, but he Saturday was not good to the 7-8. It just was not good to Shane Sabraski. And like you said, he he went into Saturday leading both of them in the points with a legitimate shot. And he just, it was one of those deals where racing can be awfully humbling. And, you know, Shane's a super humble guy. He really is. But, it's you know, that's a prime example. You can be kind of sitting there on top of the world, and all of a sudden the next night they kick your feet out from underneath you. And uh, that's really what happened to Shane there on Saturday. So Sunday, right, you know, we'll start – I'll start with the uh, lower classes and work up in the X-Mods. Sabraski got her done, right? Now, similar to the – well, maybe not quite similar, but a little bit of controversy in that one. Um he actually got together. This was win 707, and uh, they did a good job. We'll talk about that in a second. But he uh, got together. He actually he was rolling the top of three and four, and the bottom of one and two was the place to be. And uh, he got a good run off of four on Preston Carr. And looking to me watching it, he shut the door on him. I think he figured he had more room than he did. Because Shane's a pretty clean driver. I've watched him race 
a lot of races. He's not a banger. He's just not, you know, and he shut the door on him and he, it was tight. I think he was enough clear, but he wowed up and car was coming in a little harder and Shane kind of got down into him. Car ends up going around in second place. And uh, obviously the no fault caution, caution comes out, car to the back, Shane gets the lead back. Jason Vandekamp, who had a horrible week. I mean, literally, dude, he got, he had his hauler, his truck or motorhome or whatever he's hauling now broke into on the way down there, right? Smashed a window out of it. I mean, it started out, it was a nightmare. He said he had a pile of parts as big as a car. And uh, he got second in that deal, actually had a really good run. You know, um, down the back straightaway on the final lap, he missed his mark getting into three. Otherwise, he might have. He was pretty close at the line with Shane. But uh, Sabraski even said in victory lane, he's like, man, I, if I talked to him, I apologize. You know, he, you know, I, I know Shane well enough that he's pretty humble and sincere with that. But uh, Carr had a big enough point lead that he won the series in the X-Mods. And, and I didn't even know this guy. And, and again, he's in our area, in our region. But you know, being that they're out west, I didn't pay much attention, but I'm going to probably pay more attention to him this year because he was darn impressive down there, Bert. I'm telling you, like, he was extremely fast. And a guy by the name of Jory Berg, he looked really good, too. And they were both North Dakota um, mod or Midwest mod guys, so it's going to be, it's going to be pretty fun to watch them. Did you watch the X-Mod feature there on Sunday night? Uh, I actually watched it today. I okay. went and watched okay. the replay. Yep. on flow and what was, your, uh, what was your thoughts there with the deal with Sabraski at the end i mean i i agree with you i mean and it's kind of like what he said in his interview i mean he knew that the bottom in one and two um was the place to be so when he got the run on the high side in three and four he had to clear him and get down right away and i think he did think that uh he had cleared him um so and i mean even if there if there wasn't a no fault rule, um, I don't know if they would blame that on him just based on, you know, it, it's hard to blame the car that's in front. <laughs> that, that would have been a tough call. It really would have. As a driver, I kind of know what happens there. I probably would have called it on Shane just because he did the lane change down in front of him. Was it deliberate? No. I mean, he deliberately moved down. He did that, but I don't think he meant to get into him. But right. that would have been a tough call. I mean, that it really would have been. But uh, it's one of those racing deals. Carr was like, well, fortunately, he had a big enough lead where he won the points. So congratulations to him. In the modifieds, Rodney Sanders, he he was a series champion. Strand maybe would have won that deal. Maybe if he wouldn't have got, you know, the who, uh, who uh, picked Rodney Sanders to win the series? <laughs> you may have done that. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. And uh, Jake O'Neill, okay, he's another USMTS guy. I don't know what he was doing or if he had, I, I don't know, but he literally just showed up on Sunday. So he didn't race the whole rest of the week or the whole rest of the time down there. He shows up on Sunday just out of the blue and gives them an absolute ass kicking. I mean, he won by a straightaway. I mean, he just made everybody look silly. What would have happened if you had been there the whole time? I don't know, right? I mean, the in six races things can happen but he was absolutely dominant and uh, tyler peterson got second in that deal and third was sanders now bert let's get to the late models coming into the late model feature you had jonathan davenport with two wins you had 
Tyler Erb with two wins. And the, the way the Kaiser bonus, they had a Kaiser quarter million. So for fans out there, the Kaiser Manufacturing, they put up $250,000 to any late model driver if they won all six nights. If they won five or six nights, they give you a hundred grand. If you win four to six nights, you got a $25,000 bonus. And the first driver to win three of the nights got a $10,000 bonus. So going into that night, Shaw Trucking, and there was another sponsor, but I remember Shaw because Don Shaw is one of our guys, right? Don Shaw threw up some money. It was $25,000 to win for everybody except for Tyler Erb and Jonathan Davenport. For them, it was $35,000 to win for what happened in that one. Um, well, uh, JD was the first one to get the three victories because he, well, he won the first race of the series. He won the last race of the series and won in, in the middle somewhere. Uh, so yeah, he, he got the $10,000 bonus. Plus he got the bonus for, uh, the series championship. Uh, so he had, and plus the $25,000 to win the race in the final race. So he got a pretty good little chunk of money there, uh, at the end. And, um, you know, like you mentioned earlier, uh, I think um, this week of racing was a week for him to prove to himself that he could, I mean, and it's funny, and, we, and we've discussed this on the show, it's funny we're talking about, you know, he's got all this stuff to prove. I mean, he didn't have that bad of a year, but when you're talking about Superman, you know, it, it wasn't that great of a year. Uh, so I, I think he was on a mission this week to prove uh, to himself and to others that, uh, you know, he is a force to be reckoned with again this year. Yeah, let's talk about that, right? Because obviously, I mean, he was the story of the night. I mean, not only did he win that final night, he put a beat down on him. I mean, there was no question. Tyler Herb, you know, he came through. He got he hung around reasonably <laughs> close at the end. But when, when Davenport put his foot on the gas after getting through lap traffic, I mean, he just drove away. Um, he, he had the dominant car in that one. I think RTJ got third in that deal. So kind of them same three ran up front. They, they really dominated the whole weekend between Davenport, right. Thornton, and Tyler Erb. They, they were the story of the late models the whole weekend. But you talked a little bit about Davenport and his interviews and, and kind of, you know, some of that, you know, what did you take out of that? Because you're right. I mean, he was pretty open. He was pretty honest about, you know, kind of his mindset and some things there. Well, I mean, in victory lane after winning last night, I mean, he made the comment that uh, in the winter, I mean, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but he wasn't even looking forward to going to the shop because he just, he just didn't have that fire. And then he he said that they decided to switch shock companies. I did notice that uh, he, he's got that plastered all over his car and that's different than it was last year. And then I believe that they built some new chassis also uh, over the winter and doing that, he said that kind of re-energized him and really got him looking forward to the season. And I think after the week that he had, um, I mean, he's been re-energized. <laughs> uh, one thing I want, I want to, Go back to the race that he gave away that race Tyler Erb led for a good portion of that race and JD in his interview after the race said early in the race he would he was just going half throttle because he just didn't want to use up his equipment and then when it was time to go he went and he took the lead but then you know 
he kind of gave it away at the end. So, I mean, he proved that he can, he can turn it on when he needs to turn it on. Yeah. And, and really got in a lot of traffic. And I think what cost him is he was, you could tell he was more conservative, right? He was kind of conservative around lap cars where Tyler Herb, I mean, he's bold. I mean, I, he, <laughs> right. he don't care. I mean, he's going to chuck a slider. He'll go three wide on two lappers. He don't care. He's doing whatever he has to do. And <clears throat> that might be the difference. So too, in a couple wins, maybe Herb will steal a couple from him that way. But if you look at the whole body of work, I think that's also the reason why JB's got some championships because right. he's, he's a little smarter when it comes to that. He's probably had time back in the past where he was bold and put himself in bad situations, but he realizes, Hey, you can't be, you know, you can go out there and you can make 30 grand, but if you cost 30 grand to fix a car, you know, he's a little smarter than that. He's got a few, uh, a few more years of experience underneath his belt and racing is one of those things, Bert, any sport, right? You know, if you're, if you're playing in basketball, I know we got fans in here that, that are basketball fans, a team's got, they're going on a run. They got all kinds of momentum. If you're the opposite coach, what do you do? Call a timeout. You call a timeout <laughs> because you want to break that chain of momentum, right? And that momentum is all based the, when you got momentum going, you got to confidence is there. If you have a lot of confidence when you're racing, you're going to do things behind the wheel of that car that you ain't going to do when you're not confident. That's going to put you in a better position to win. And I mentioned this last year, just watching Davenport, he just, you could tell he was not putting the car in areas to where it's like, you've seen him do it before. You know, you could tell he was driving without that it factor, without that confidence. And, and the question I have for you, Bert, is, you know, coming down to the Wild West and they had, there was a stacked field of cars there. Was it the whole Lucas Oil contingent? No, it was not. But there was some very good race cars there and there was a bunch of them. And he was clearly the dominant guy the whole time, right? I mean, he was the guy. Is he going to be able to take that? And what kind of confidence will that give him? And is he going to be able to carry that over in the speed weeks when he heads heads over to Florida? I think so. I mean, I mean, he's got experience as you know winning championships. So you know he just needed needs to uh, regain his uh, momentum, and you know the week that he had down in Arizona should uh, help him a lot with that. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Now. We uh we got a couple races coming up here. I'm excited about. But before we do that, what are some takeaways that you have from the Wild West Tour? Well, I I want to talk a little bit about uh the our area late model drivers who went there. I mean, we get we've given Mitch McGrath some grief on this show, you know, because of you know what happened at Plymouth last year, and uh, but I mean, he went down to Arizona this week, and I mean. I think he did himself proud down there. I mean, uh, you know, he won the, the non-qualifiers dash twice. I mean, you may, you may not think that's a big deal, but I mean, for a local driver, that's a big deal competing against the, these drivers. And, uh, you know, he, he uh, gave up the money one time, took the money another. He, he learned by the end of the trip that <laughs> that thousand dollars is nice to have in your pocket. But he also made some features, and I mean, he was he ran the top ten, I think most of the race on Sunday night in the feature, I believe. Uh, so I mean, uh, I think that was a good trip for him. 
And then uh, Dustin Sorensen and Jake Kim also made the trip. And, you know, they had kind of up and down weeks. Uh, but Sorensen did win a heat race. He made some features. Uh, Tim made, a, made at least one feature, if not more than that. So, um, I mean, it's great experience for those. I mean, they're, they're still really young. So, I mean, um, I mean, uh, Ben Shelton had great things to say about Jake Kim. So, <laughs> right, um, right. They're so, going to be fun to I watch. Mean, I mean, they, they really don't have either one of those two guys. They really don't have any nights in a late one. Right. Right. You know, exactly. Because their home tracks don't even have them. So they got to race specials when they got them. And both of them are talented young drivers. It's going to be fun to watch them progress. Jimmy Mars, um, you know, I would say he's our most talented local driver that went down there. He kind of had, in my opinion, a pretty rough week. Um, I think he was probably looking for a little bit better results than what he got. Just the eye test birth there, me watching Jimmy, it looked like the car just didn't get off the corner. Right. It looked like he could get in and through the middle, but it looked it, to me, it looked like he was lacking forward drive. I'm not sure if they were trying something, but he was just off a little bit. And, and he, he had some good heats. He had some pretty decent starting spots, but he just I, I expected to see maybe a podium or two out of him. And and he just never really he was just a, a step off them guys. And, you know, so looking to see if maybe he can rebound on that and. And uh, maybe uh, maybe he needs to call up Dillard because Dillard looked really good in that NB <laughs> Custom. Maybe he needs to call up Cade and say, "All right, dude, like what 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 do I need to change in my stuff?" So kind of interesting there with Jimmy Mars. Um, you know, like I talked about, JD was dominant. Ricky Thornton Jr. I mentioned it earlier. It's gonna be a hell of a year watching him and, and Strickler battle it out for that Lucas Oil deal. Um, so that's in the late models, in the modifieds there, Bert. Tyler Peterson is a guy that impressed me. I mean, Strand ran good and Shane ran good, right? But Tyler Peterson, he ended the weekend with a first, a second, and a second, right? Three podium finishes. And that, I mean, that's an impressive field of cars they had darn near. I think they had over 70 a couple nights. So Tyler Peterson, really fun to watch. It's going to be fun to watch him again this year. Um, one thing that I also took out of it, and I want your opinion, and I'm going to give you mine right now. The no-fault <laughs> caution rule absolutely sucks. It is absolutely ridiculous. What is your thoughts? Oh, I agree with you. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I just don't like it either because, I mean, you can cause a wreck, but if you don't stop on the track, you're going to keep going where the innocent per driver is going to be penalized. Yeah, it makes no sense. The only one benefit, okay, there is one benefit. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip it to that side. The one benefit is if you race against those guys that park it the minute you bump them and they try to have that fake caution like the soccer flop deal, they're screwing themselves because they're going to the back. So it eliminates that, which is good, okay? That's a positive to it. But, man, there was a lot of stuff that happened down there over them six nights of racing, Bert where it was obvious. I mean, I mean, literally Stevie wonder could have been like, oh, that guy caused this deal. I mean, in my mind, if it's that obvious, right. Why not make a call? I mean, I mean, if it's a questionable deal, all right, you know, Hey, that, that guy goes to the back. We couldn't make a call because we couldn't decipher like whose fault it was. Okay. Or put them both to the back, but is it that difficult and get it right? I mean, come on. I mean, can you imagine if, <laughs> The NFL, I mean, we've seen bad calls. I get bad calls are going to happen. There's a human element to this.
this. I get it. That's just the way it is. But can you imagine in the NFL, if they're running down the field, right, and the, the guy's going up to catch the touchdown to, to put him into the Super Bowl, and right before the ball comes there, they tackle the guy, and not even close, and they say, well, you know, he fell, no call. Oh, wait, they did that. They already did that, right? <laughs> Wasn't that the Rams versus the Saints? Yeah. And the whole country went absolutely bonkers. You know, as a Vikings fan, I'm like, that's karma for the bounty gate deal. I get it. But the fact is, that just pisses people off. It's not good for the sport. They even changed rules after that. Well, and then they life. changed them back, though, because they, they didn't want them. They didn't want to make those calls. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, you got to make well, calls. I mean, there's no I mean, there's no reason. Like I said, and and here's what's even worse, Bert. Okay, this this is my opinion. I've seen this happen. So over the Gondic Law Speedway this year, they had they had video there, right? Okay, and then they use multiple streaming. Dirt Race Central was there. Um, Barry from XR was there. So they had multiple streamings. Okay. And I know for a fact, because I talked to Joe Staria, that there was a couple instances where they, they had a, enough of a break. They weren't delaying the program to make the call, but there would be an altercation that happened. And they'd be like, well, I tell you what, while we're waiting here, we don't have a call made. Did you catch it on video? And they look at the video and they'd be like, oh, wow, that's obvious. That guy to the back. The tools are there. Use them. Don't go with the no-fault deal. I mean, you think about the World of Outlaws and Lucas Oil? They got that no-fault. World of Outlaws sprints, no-fault, right? They all got the no-fault deal. Every one of them is screamed every single race, and some of them have multiple camera camera angles, right? It is not that difficult. It is extremely easy for them to make the right call. I mean, there's nothing in, as a racer. I can tell you, like, I was – a little bit hot-headed back in the day and if i would have been racing for a championship and all of a sudden somebody dumped me on the last lap right and it was a no-fault deal and i get put to the back and that guy gets his spot back and wins a championship i would have probably burnt his garage down all right like literally i would have went mental there's no reason to do that and you think back to that tyler herb bobby pierce deal at cedar lake that deal never happens if there's not a no-fault rule right because if, if Turbo would have got his spot back, which he should have, right? If, there were, if a call would have been made, is it fair to say that Bobby Pierce caused that? Tyler Erb would have got his spot back if they would have been making a call on it. Would you agree with that? Yeah, probably. Okay, if they made, if they made the right call, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, if they made the right call and Turbo gets his spot back, is Turbo going the wrong way on the track and driving up on Bobby Pierce's nose? No. Is he getting kicked out of the world of outlaws indefinitely? That ain't happening. So whose fault was that whole deal? It was the world of outlaws fault for having stupid rules in place. Right? So when a guy racers are volatile, they're competitive. You put a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of energy and a lot of heart into succeeding. And when, when you get blatantly taken out, right? whether the guy meant to do it or not, because some of the incidences, it was probably a racing deal, but the guy clearly caused it. Just make a call. They got to get rid of that stupid rule. I'm so sick of it. I, it, I, they can't, I don't even know why they have it. It just simply doesn't even make sense. I don't know what their justification for is. Um, do you have any insight on that? I don't have any insight, but I, I think part of the reason that uh, some tracks and organizations use that rule is kind of what, what you discussed is 
they don't want to have to make that call. Um, they would rather just say, you know, it's obvious you came to a stop on the track, you go to the back, you know, they, they don't want to create, they don't want to create controversy by making the call, but they're creating controversy controversy by not making the call <laughs> yeah you're exactly right like you're damned if you do damned if you don't but uh in my opinion i've seen i've seen enough stuff happen to where it was such an obvious call right so obvious that it just it just doesn't sit well with me um any other takeaways i got one last takeaway but i'm gonna i'll leave that for last any other takeaways from the wild west shootout down there in arizona um I don't, I can't remember his first name, but I believe he's an ex-mod driver, Iverson. I heard his name a lot over the week. He was in an A-mod. Yeah, he ran. Or A-mod. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Calvin, Calvin Iverson. He's another young guy, Bert, that runs like Mississippi Thunder, Deer Creek. You kind of runs around that area. And uh, he was pretty racy down there. He was fun to watch. You're absolutely right. And uh, I know Iver, I think it's Iverson Trucking, I think. I think they're sponsoring the opener at the Mississippi Thunder. I know they uh, they sponsor the track down there. Was it, uh, I should have looked this up. Was it his car that won the best graphics? I know. I don't, I don't know. I don't have that. I, I, don't, I know I, uh, David Hooker from uh, up in your, up by Superior uh, designed the car. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah. He, he designed the winning scheme of the winning car. I can't remember if it's Iverson or a different driver. I'll have to look that up and we'll post that on the Facebook page. What we'll have to do is we'll have to get the pictures of that, post that up because that was kind of a cool deal. And fans, what they're talking about is for the wild West, they had a, a deal where if you had a Western themed wrap, right. They, they had a, a basically a, a car, not necessarily a car show, but they had a best appearing western themed rap and i don't remember what the award was for that wasn't there x amount of money did did the rap person make money too or just the driver or how that worked i'm not i'm not sure i should have looked that up too they it just this just came into my mind as yeah. we were discussing uh takeaways from the week but that's just another example of of this whole show right ben shelton now i i say this all the time okay i say i i i think that somebody that's a promoter with racing background is going to do a better job. Ben doesn't have a racing background, but he did a hell of a job. Okay. They had record car counts. They adapted over, over they had the, the first few nights wasn't real racy. So they made some changes to get the track to where it was racier the rest of the way through. They had a lot of neat stuff like that Western theme rap deal. They had, you know, they had the bowl, they had the sheriff down there. That was the, the, the guns uh, blazing. They had the guns blazing. <laughs> I mean, they they really did a great job with that with that show, and and that leads me to my final two takeaways. And takeaway number one, Bert, is drivers simply do not care about money. <laughs> and if you're a driver listening to this, and you're disagreeing with me, you're full of shit. Okay. Why do I know that? Because I was a driver. Okay, and I know. Now, yes, we like a big payday. You, you give me 10 grand to win over 500 to win, I'm going to be way more pumped. I promise I get it, right? But this, Bert, might have been one of the worst paying shows that I've ever seen. I mean, it was horrible, right? I mean, it was, it was not a good paying event. But why on earth would they pay more, right? I was thinking about that. I was having this conversation with my buddy Pete and Keith and Jeff, our, 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 our helpers there. And, uh, it's like, 
you know, why would they pay more? They already have all the cars they need for a very quality, entertaining show. They don't need any more cars. They had they had plenty of cars. If they can you imagine if they had a hundred more cars, it would have been two more hours. That wouldn't have been good. Well, and that and the track wouldn't have held up. I There's mean, no they, way. they would yeah. have had to kept. I mean, because even they worked the track up, and the late models were the first feature. And by the end of the forty or fifty laps, whatever it was, I mean, the track was already black from top to bottom. It was, it was. So you're exactly right. They would have had to farm it at least one more time, you know, so they, they can't have any more cars, right? So they look at it and they're like, we don't need to pay any more money. We got all the fans, all the cars that we need. We don't need any more. In fact, more in that situation would, as we just talked about, would likely be worse. Okay. Now they had, I don't know if you saw this, but in the, in the modifieds, they had 30 car, 12 lap B mains. Really? No, I didn't see that. <laughs> really? I'm like, are you serious? And as a driver, right, I'm going, I'm going mental. I'm talking to my buddy Kraus and I'm like, this is ridiculous. What are they doing? This is ridiculous. You know, and at the end of the day, <coughs> drivers will bitch and continue to come back. Right. So why? Why is that? And that leads me to my final takeaway. See, I'm from Chisholm, Minnesota, Field of Dreams. If you <laughs> haven't watched it, watch it. It's a classic. If you build it, they will come, right? And what I'm talking about in racing is atmosphere, right? See, drivers didn't go to that. So no, Davenport did because he's like, I'm coming down here for the bonus. There was $250,000 on the line if he won all six. He had his sights set on that. Totally different deal, okay? Other than that, drivers didn't go. There ain't one modified or Midwest modified driver, Bert, that went to Arizona looking for a big payday. None of them, zero, right? They went down there for a couple of reasons. Number one is there's no other shows going on. It was a nice midwinter break for all the Northern folks. And if you looked at the mods and Midwest mods, not quite half, but probably, probably half were from the upper Midwest, whether it was the Dakotas, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, right? half of the midwest mods and mod guys were from the upper midwest that are like it's cold up here we're going to arizona we're going to have a blast in the way they the way they put that schedule of events together genius absolutely genius right and what do i mean by that so they race saturday sunday they take monday tuesday off they race wednesday they take thursday off they race friday saturday and sunday it's a vacation See, when I went racing speed weeks in Florida, Bird, I went down there. I ran uh, Ocala, Volusia, East Bay, went up to Milton. Out of that whole stretch, almost a month, right? Like three weeks or something like that, close to a month. There was only like two or three off days total, right? It was work. It was work, work, work. I mean, I might as well have been at a racetrack in Minnesota as as to Florida because I never went and did anything outside of racing. I didn't go to the to the beach or I didn't go do anything touristy at all, right? So going down there with a family to the Florida deal, they better like racing because you're not going to do anything with them other than race, okay? At the Arizona deal, I saw so many things, Bert, that people were out having a good time and they were, you know, going to the sand dunes or going, you know, they were skydiving. They did all kinds of stuff. The way that they formatted that, that's why that show is so successful. It's not the money. And racers, I'm going to be honest, okay? I, I don't want to hear 
if you went to that show and I have a list, okay, of the drivers that went to that show, and I hear you saying all summer long, well, that show don't pay enough. I ain't going there. I'm calling you out. All right. I'm calling you out because <laughs> it was horrible pay down there. Bert, it was for the for the modifieds, it was a hundred dollars, okay, all the way up to like ninth place, I think it was. And and let oh, you must have a phone call there. Let me let me take a look here. Okay, so I, I'm pulling this up, Bert. It was it was a hundred. So for the modifieds, for the bulk of the shows, eleventh back was a hundred dollars. Okay, it was forty dollars to get in and a fifty dollar draw fee. So from eleventh to twenty fourth, you made ten bucks. Ten bucks. Okay, in the X mods, it was a twenty five dollar entry fee and a forty dollar pit pass. So sixty five dollars. 11th back, I want you to guess, Bert, 11th back, what did it pay? $75. 60. <laughs> you lost five bucks. 60. So you made, they paid you less than you paid to get in, even if you made the feature. Okay. Now, again, right, I, I ain't going to call out Ben Shelton for that because they clearly, he's like, why should I pay more? Why? They made a ton of money at this deal. Hats off to them. Tip of the cap. Capitalism at its best. But why would they pay more? Drivers are going to continue to go to that show, not looking for a payday. They're simply writing it off as a vacation where they get to race. And and as a driver, oh, that made my blood boil. It just pissed me off beyond all recognition. But on the promoter side of it, I'm like, why would they pay more? They, they already get all the cars they need. They do not need to pay more. And the same thing goes. we got Speed Weeks coming up down in Florida, and uh, the payout down there for the mods is absolutely terrible. It is terrible. But guess what? They'll get 70 of them for sure. Why? Because it's wintertime. People want to race. So that tells you right there that racers are not focused on money. They're focused on the entertainment value. They want a good track. They want a good atmosphere. They want a good crowd. They want a big stage. The money's a bonus. So overall, great show. Looking forward to it. Hopefully this COVID crap is done. I'd like to get down there next year. I was kind of looking at going this year, but I did watch a lot of it. It was a hell of a lot of fun. Hats off to those guys. Any closing thoughts on that, Bert, before we get into the to the last lap here? No, I mean, just, uh, you know, it was a good week of racing. It was nice to be able to watch it on, on Flow Racing. Uh, I'm really liking that subscriptions. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm seeing more racing than I've ever seen before in the winter. So, uh, uh, I I'm kind of late in embracing technology and some things. So, uh, it took me a little while, but, uh, I'm starting to watch this streaming a little bit more. <laughs> I'm pretty thankful for it. I really am. Whether it's full racing or, or dirt race central or dirt vision, you know, we're pretty darn spoiled. And uh, it's going to be fun to watch, Bert. It's going to be fun to watch which one of those streaming platforms really changes the game by a broadcasting standpoint, right? Because a lot of them, it's like, here's the race, and that's kind of the view you get. But at some point, and I don't think we're that far away from it, it's going to be an overall broadcast where there's more commentators, there's more behind the scenes, there's more of that going on. All of that costs a little bit, right? So there's some costs for them to do that. But uh, at some of these big shows, 
I think some of that's common and they did a really good job with this. So that brings us into the last lap, Bert. And uh, we got some racing coming up. The Lucas Oil Late Model Series starting up this weekend, Bert. Friday and Saturday, the Alltech Raceway um, down in Florida. The beginning, I, I can't even say it's the beginning of Florida Speed Weeks because they just had it in Volusia. So that kind of throws me <laughs> off, right? But that's going to be on Mav TV Facebook page. What, what's your thoughts on that race coming up, Bert? Uh, well, I mean, like you said, I mean, normally uh, these are the first, other than a Wild West shootout, these are the first uh, late model races of the year, but not this year with uh, the Outlaws starting last weekend. Uh, but yeah, um, I'm. I think I think we did our picks earlier this year, a few shows ago, and I went with McCready, so I think he's going to get off on the right foot, and uh, so I'm picking him to to get into victory lane. You're picking T-Mac. This is another big track. Kind of reminds me of, of Sean Ovalusha. Big, big, big half-mile deal. And uh, looking at our late model expert, he sent in his pick, um, Jeff, and he's picking T-Mac as well. And uh, Pete, actually, he's part of the group as well. He's one of our analysts and he gives us some information. He's like, I'm not going to pick a driver, but he's saying it's going to be a rocket chassis that gets it done over at Alltech. And and I'm going to pick, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb here, okay? And this is a bold. And I'm not saying he's going to win both, but I'm going to throw out a prediction there that you see the voodoo child win one of the two over at Alltech this weekend. So Scott, wow. <laughs> and uh, we'll see how that goes. He looked pretty good, pretty darn good. And that place is a little slicker, a little bit more momentum. So I'm, I'm just keep an eye on that zero card. Now, we're going to go back west, okay? They had the Wild West shootout, but now they're having the Wild Wing shootout, and that's going to be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday over at the Arizona Speedway. Of course, coverage is going to be on Flow Racing. Bert, fine. This is the beginning. It's not a World of Oldman race, right? But a lot of those guys will be there. Who's your pick to get her done down at the Arizona uh, Arizona Speedway? Um. Let me, I'll take Donnie shots if no. he's there. <laughs> All right. Well, so, so Pete, he he sent the text. He will pick a guy and he picked Donnie shots to get her done down there. Of course, <laughs> Donnie was down there with the late model. Yeah. He's better in the sprint car than he is in the late model. He, he made most of the shows, but he wasn't, he, he wasn't that impressive. Um, our sprint car expert, um, Keith, he picked Sheldon Hodenschild and uh, he picked Sheldon to get it done. Now, I don't know who's all going to be there. I, I don't even know if he's going to be there, but I'm going to go ahead and I should look. I, I have a bad habit of picking somebody that doesn't even show up, but I'm going to pick Brad Sweet, the big cat, uh, to get her done out there in Arizona. So that's going to be a couple couple nights of racing there. Now, <clears throat> with that said, you know, another guy sponsored the show. We talked about Shane Clanton being in the hospital with COVID. Bert Donshaw had his car down there, his hauler, he was in Arizona, all of that, never got to make a lap because he's been dealing with COVID. So I just want to send our best wishes to Don, of course, owner of the I-94 Sure Step Speedway. Love to see him get back healthy again. He said he was struggling a little bit. So, you know, tough break for him. I know he was super excited to race that. He's been racing that series down there. I think he even won a race down there um, a few years back. So, you know, our best wishes to Don. And a uh, little bit of news on Ricky Weiss. I'm not sure if you saw this, but of course he shredded a car. And when he went down to Florida this last time, he had his 
He had his one sniper chassis, but he also had his Bloomquist car as a spare tore up the equipment on his on his new car so he headed back to wisconsin and he said he's going back to florida with two brand new race cars and the question i have and i don't know this could you see him maybe skipping all tech you know spending a little bit more time getting his stuff ready so when the world of outlaw stuff picks up or do you think he's in a hustle to get down there for all tech to get a few laps on there what what's your thoughts there well, probably the responsible thing to do would be to uh, not go down there, uh, stay up, get your cars built, do what you need to do to them. Um, I mean, after his performance, you know, through the first couple of races on the Outlawed series, uh, it's best to get your ducks in a row uh, before that season gets into full swing. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, and, and if everything's ready, I can see him going down there because he definitely he needs to get some laps underneath him in them new cars. I was just going to say that unless you want to cons- consider these test sessions. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and that's the thing. So it's hard to say. It'll be interesting to see if he makes it back down. Brent Larson, who made the transition over to Rocket Chassis this year, um, struggled and then he got tore up. On the final night down there at Volusia, I don't know how bad it is, but from what I understand, he he headed back to Minnesota. I think he's got a lot of work to do to get back down there, but uh, he tore up a car pretty darn bad. Um, got caught up in a big one there at Volusia. Now, Bert, a uh, little bit of news locally here, right? A um, lot of lot of schedules are coming out, and uh, the Discount Shop Cows Dirt Kings Tour that schedule came out. What sticks out to you? Um, well, uh, Shano Speedway is back on the schedule. I mean, we talked about this about a year ago, uh, that, um, it was disappointing that one of the weekly, one of the two weekly (laughs) dirt, dirt late model tracks in Eastern Wisconsin wasn't on the series schedule for a series based out of Eastern Wisconsin. Um, so they are not only back on the schedule, but they have two races on the schedule. Um, the season will kick off at Channel Speedway on April 17th, um, but eight tracks total on the, on the schedule. Uh, looks like 14 races, either 14 or 15 races. I, I'd have to recount them, uh, but uh, Channel Speedway has two races. Wilmont Speedway has two races. Adegami Speedway has four races, but one of them is a World of Outlaws show where the Dirt Kings drivers get points to show up and race in that that race. Um, and then Mississippi Thunder has two races, um, 15 races, because I forgot to write down a track here. Uh, but Gravity Park has one race. Angel Park has one race. Plymouth Raceway has one race. Um, Eagle Valley Speedway has one race. And then TNT Speedway and Three Lakes has a race also. Um, I was looking at this. I noticed no SK Speedway, so we don't have to worry about a, the lights going out. <laughs> They're struggling um, over there, Bert. They're struggling. <laughs> um, but no, I mean overall, I like the schedule. Um, a lot of races in um, Eastern Wisconsin, which is, I mean, for a series based out of Eastern Wisconsin, and that relies on drivers from Eastern Wisconsin. I think that's good. I understand last year with COVID, the schedule was basically what whatever track would host you, you know, you have a race there. Uh, but um, 
you know, it's nice to have some races outside the area and, you know, the, the two races at Mississippi Thunder, which uh, has supported the series um, very well the last uh, few years. So it's good to see them back on the schedule. I was a little concerned, you know, with them adding the world of outlaws and everything, if they were going to get away from, you know, the smaller regional shows, but uh, they're sticking with uh, still hosting some Dirt Kings. So that's good. So overall, I like the schedule. I mean, what are your thoughts? I guess the thing that stuck out to me is I was concerned about hopefully they aren't running against the Mater, being that that's 15,555 to win. They are not running against the Mater. I'm excited about that. I have not like cross-referenced it with all the other specials in the area, um, but it, it looks like a, a pretty well spread out schedule. Um, and and like, like you said, I mean, that's based out of Eastern Wisconsin. So it's nice to see, you know, a, a, tight-knit regional deal and i really hope that some of the i guess western wisconsin guys make a trip over to some of those shows i mean it's it's a good series and uh i i hope it's well received and supported well by the drivers and the fans as a fan that doesn't live over there i want to i'd love to see like uh an official streamer or or something like that to where all the dirt kings events can be streamed right I think that would be fantastic because then I can watch them because I'm not making the trip over there to watch all those races. It's simply not <laughs> happening. I might make it over to a couple, you know, with COVID not, you know, I think it's going to be done by then. You know, I can see maybe heading over to, to Wilmot or something like that. It's fairly close or Mississippi Thunder. You know, I'd like to, I'd like to maybe hit a couple of them for sure. I think that'd be fun, but a great series nonetheless looking forward to it and i know that the the tri-state series also released its schedule but we'll talk about that next week and i'm going to end with this bert but before i do is there any closing thoughts or anything else that that you, you wanted to chat about here before we uh end this episode um well i'll just mention one thing i really can't say much but uh i'm just gonna say stay tuned because there there may be some sort of announcement of from eastern wisconsin about something else but that's all i can say <laughs> you're, you're killing me. You're, you're killing you're, you're killing me. like okay so i won't tell anybody just what do you got <laughs> <laughs> i can't say all right all right all right well, he, he's a he's a brick right he's a brick so <laughs> i i want to end it with this uh the racing community specifically the the south dakota racing community um they suffered a big loss here over the last week uh dennis haven who, who raced and he he actually owned the modified over there you know been around racing for a lot of years so if you're in the south dakota racing family you know this is a guy that everybody knew i know a lot of different people drove for him you know most recently chad williamson i know gelling drove for him and several others along the way but, uh, you know, we, we lost Dennis Haven here in the last couple of days. So a, a tough deal. My thoughts and prayers go out with the family, the racing community out there in South Dakota. You know, we're sending our best wishes here from the folks at the One to Go show. So, Bert, with that said, uh, episode 63 in the books. we got racing coming up. I'm looking forward to the Lucas Oil opener, the Wild Wings shootout. There's going to be some great action going on. Um, I don't know that... Uh, I don't know that our picks are going to be good, but it's going to be interesting to see who wins. It's going to be a good start. I'll, I'll ask you this last question. You got the two rookies, the two main rookies head to head. Who's going to have the better opening weekend of the Lucas Oil Series, Thornton or Strickler? Thornton. Thornton? Okay. I'm going to, hey. I'm going to, go, I'm going to go with, 
I'm going to go with Thornton too, but I, I don't think it's going to be, I think they're both going to be up front. I, I can see both of them finishing up in the top five. It's going to be interesting. So Bert, with that said, that's a wrap, you know, uh, you know, we got a lot of racing coming up. Like Puka always says, go out and be your dreams. I'm Ryan. That is Bert. We're the one to go show. Thanks for tuning in guys. A production of Goat Sports Media, LLC.